Hello again, everybody. It's your host, Felipe, and you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. And with me, as always, it's Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I am awesome. Uh, you know, watching the Mets actually score runs. They have a 7-3 to three lead against the Nationals. So, all in all, a good day. Well, we have a jam-packed show for you guys today. Uh, saw a few uh, posts uh, across the Baseball Life Facebook group. And if you don't know what the Baseball Life Facebook group is, that is the best baseball group in all of Facebook. And that is where we are recording live and in color and in person. Try, uh, if you have, have questions for us, feel free to put them in the comments below. We'll try our best to answer them. But we did see, I did notice a few posts that I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, throughout the uh, baseball life group. It, has, it, hasn't been, it has been pretty active and busy lately. And one of the things that they talked about, at least our buddy Vince over at the Dong City podcast, was uh, the Yankees uh, not just winning and winning uh, consistently, but also the way they're winning, which is basically, you know, they strike out a lot, but they're putting the ball in play more often, and they're getting better results because of it. And I did a little bit of quick uh, number crunching, and it turns out that the Yankees are uh, – they're, they're six in batter strikeout rate, so they have the sixth highest amount of strikeouts in terms of their hitters. But they also lead the league in walk rate as well, is what I found out. And they lead the league in pitches seen per plate appearance. Um, so it's like what we talked about on Austin's show, right? Uh, right before uh, you left, we talked about that. How about plate approach? Um, is it still good to be patient and just wait for your pitch and then hit the ball with authority? Or should we just hack at everything like we're the 2015 Kansas City Royals? And <laughs> I think the conclusion was it doesn't matter. It just has to work. That's all that yeah. matters. If you have the hitters for it, then go with that approach and the Yankees um, they have that patient approach, but now they're healthy and they're seeing the numbers translate as well. Is that the way you see it, Sean? Yeah. And especially like the stats that, you know, Vince showed uh, or, you know, when he posted Passon's tweet, you looked at things like strikeout rate, uh, BABIP and strand rate. Uh, When we think about the Yankees, we think about, you know, the prolific power hitters, you know, judge Stanton, uh, Sanchez, well, when your whole offense is predicated around hitting home runs, you're going to have a lower BABIP because a home run is not a ball in play. Right. And you're going to have a high strand rate because if you're going to hit a home run, you're technically you're not stranding those guys to end the inning. So you're, you're going to when you do score runs, you're going to clear the bases and then there's not going to be anybody stranded. So it's kind of a flaw to use those things to judge the Yankees especially over their 13 or whatever game win streak they had uh, probably wasn't the best one. I don't think it was necessarily a knock against them. I do think it raises some questions because it hasn't been, you know, some sort of approach change with the Yankees. It's just, you have power hitters and your power hitters are hot right now. You're hitting home runs, uh, how they were designed to win. But when they're not hitting home runs, is when you have the issues. Because we saw this last year with them. They had, what, 19 home runs in three games. It was like a major league record. I mean, it's something wild. And yeah. when a team like the Yankees are hot, they're raging. Um, but it's not about when they're hot. It's about their baseline, their normal numbers. Uh, sometimes it's harder to win like that. Yeah, well, that's the reason. I mean, it is a very dangerous lineup for sure. Uh, that's the reason I picked them for the World Series. But uh, as we've seen in the past, uh, those hitters do get neutralized rather easily in the playoffs. Uh, and, and, you know, again, plate approach. And that's what happens when you're, I think that's what we talked about on, on Austin's show at the, the round trippers podcast is when you are an extremely patient team or an extremely patient hitter, 
these are the results you get when the highs are high it's very high and when the lows are low it is frustrating to watch believe me i'm a cubs fan so we <laughs> saw that we saw that with chris bryant anthony rizzo um kyle schwarber uh, and then on the opposite side of the spectrum you have a team like the cubs currently who are now hitting like a bunch of javier biases in terms of plate approach um the cubs are middle of the pack in pitches seen per plate appearance and they lead Major League Baseball with the highest strikeout rate in all of baseball, as well as a bottom 10 team and walk rate. So that's the opposite side of the spectrum. So, again, it just has to work. Um, one approach is working the Yankees right now. The other approach on the opposite side of the spectrum, the more free swinging style and hack at everything approach is not working for a really, really bad Cubs team. Uh, you have anything to add about the Cubs uh, struggles in terms of the plate approach there, Sean? Not necessarily. It just, you have Baez who, you know, encapsulated that. You had Rizzo who, when they, he was, when these guys were on the team, Rizzo was having a down year. Baez was having a down year with one of the worst approaches. I mean, to say he, he even has an approach, I think is kind. Um, well, approach is approach no matter what. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the only approach he has is how he approaches the plate. I mean, that's like literally because once he's in the box, it's, um, I'm going to swing at everything. And that's why pitchers throw him the lowest percentage of strikes in all of baseball. And now I get to see that for the last month and a half as met. So, yay. Oh, you're in for a treat, man. Well, him too. When, when things are going well for Javier Baez, you're very happy that he's on your team in terms of just the explosiveness. Oh yeah. He hit a home run today. I mean, that, that was fun. And then the next at bat, the guy who gave up this, you know, he's going up against Fetty. Uh, ironically, who we mentioned before the show, uh, he gave up a 450 foot blast on a curveball to Baez. And then in the next at bat, Baez comes up and swings at three sliders down and out of the zone. I mean, it's just, it it makes no sense to me how he actually batted 280 for like two years. That, that, that blows my mind. Just generates uh, plenty of swings. He swings at everything, puts the ball in play just enough. I mean, he has horrible contact rate, but sometimes that's the only way pe- uh, some of these hitters generate their own luck. I mean, I've, Pablo Sandoval is the other extreme, except that he makes lots of contact no matter where the balls are pitched to him. Uh, Javier Baez and, and Sandoval also swings at a lot of pitches. Well, Baez is the same yeah. way. He swings a lot of pitches, but makes no contact. But when he does... It goes far away. The yeah. ball does. I was going to say, like, Sandoval was always kind of one of those bad ball hitters, you know, real yeah. low, real high. Baez just seems like he's bad. a mistake hitter. He's a mistake <laughs> hitter. If he hits a breaking ball, which if you look at the numbers, his numbers versus breaking balls actually aren't that bad. It's just if it's in the zone, it's crushed. If yeah. it's out of the zone, it's a swinging strike 99% of the time. We move on uh, to what ended up being a very, for me at least, because I was not expecting to talk about this uh, topic, uh, a very controversial, um, well, this is what one of our our, our members wrote. Uh, I wonder when people say eye test, do they really just mean reputation? I was under the impression that Salvador Perez was one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball. But when looking at his defensive metrics, as well as analysis of him, he ranks near the bottom in about any advanced defensive statistic out there, and it's the worst at framing in the league. Did he decline, or was he always not as good as his reputation said he was? And that, that you know, eye test versus, you know, what the numbers say, right? Uh, I'm, I'm on this Fangraphs page right now, and he has a career 25 defensive runs saved. That's pretty damn good, but a lot of it happened around uh, – his peak years of uh, 2013 through 2016, back when the Royals were in, in contention or getting to contention. 
Uh, and then this year, he's at negative four defensive runs saved. So, uh, but still, the last I checked, 25 is still a very good number. But uh, how do you see Salvador Perez's defensive uh, prowess, I guess? I always thought he had kind of the, the whole reputation of he had the Wilson Contreras kind of comes to mind as, you know, he has the great arm. He liked throwing the ball around. Uh, he was always going up and talking to his pitchers. He, he seemed to handle the staff well, uh, but it just seemed to be an optics thing more than a results thing. And that's kind of what we see when we look at his career numbers. And it took this, you know, great second half of Salvador Perez to pass Martin Maldonado in uh, F4. Uh, going into this year, Martin Maldonado had a higher F4 than Salvador Perez in like 300 less games, 250 less games. And that was because Maldonado is a elite pitch framer and catcher. And that's something that Salvador Perez really wasn't. Um, so it, it is interesting. I, I always do think that Perez is a guy that I test people love. You see a good batting average. You see good power. You see the strong arm. You're like, oh, he's a prototypical catcher. Um, and then you look at the analytics, and he's got a 301 career on base, uh, a 102 WRC plus for his entire career, meaning he's 2% above league average. And you see you know, only nine defensive war for his entire career, over 1,100 games. For comparison, Martin Maldonado has 145 defensive war. It, I mean, it, it's an insane amount, and it's just uh, – He's an interesting person to analyze as a player. Uh, you know, I'm not his biggest fan. Uh, I no doubt it's impressive what he's doing now, but um, yeah, he it's a, it's an interesting conversation for sure. All right, so I'm finagling here a little bit with the uh, with the metrics. So I did minimum 1,000 innings just to get a good decent amount of people players in here, uh, and I went all the way back to 2011 to see who the best and. and 2011 through 2021, right? 10, that's a good 10 year, 11 year season sample size, I guess, to see where Salvador Perez ranks in the grand scheme of things. And since 2011, Salvador Perez is a top 25 catcher in defensive runs saved. Uh, you saw, and then, yeah, of course, the strike zone, I believe RSZ, I believe that stands for strike zone, uh, framing, I guess. He's at negative 45, so that's yeah. where a lot yeah, of his downfall he, is. Yeah, he's always been a very poor pitch framer. Yeah, fra- oh, there's, a, there's another one, framing, negative 90.4, whatever that means. So bad framer, but he does, like you said, he makes up for it just by being uh, athletic and having a strong arm. But some notable names ahead of Perez, uh, Austin Barnes, you know, who doesn't have nearly the same amount of playing time, is at 27 defensive runs safe since 2011. I mean, we we know why Austin Barnes constantly is has a major league job. It's just because pitchers love throwing to him with the Dodgers, especially. Uh, Sandy Leone, David Ross, who's now the Cubs manager, he's a plus thirty six defensive run save. Uh, let's see here, Miguel Montero, former Cubs and former Diamondbacks catcher at plus forty, uh, was one of those guys that uh, Theo Epstein chased after uh, when they were tr- when the Cubs were trying to make that championship run. Uh, Austin Hedges, who. There's a guy with a reputation, right? There's a defensive wizard right there. Your favorite guy in the whole wide world, Mike Zunino. Also, hey. on, he's top ten, <laughs> plus fifty-one. Uh, our guy is Monty Grandel. I mean, he—he. He, I mean, there's a guy whose defensive prowess not only matches reputation, but the numbers also back him up in that one. Seventy-four defensive runs saved. Uh, there's your guy, Martin Maldonado, at plus seventy-six. So Russell Martin, always a very good defensive catcher. His uh, reputation also is backed up by the numbers. And at the top two is number two, Yadier Molina and Buster Posey at number one. So listen, man, the metrics, 
If you're good, you're good. The, not, it, it shouldn't be, well, the eye test says this and the defensive metrics say that. No, if you're good, that both the defensive metrics match up with the with what the eye test shows and vice versa. I don't want to hear excuses. Like, well, you know, Perez is much better as a real-life hitter, uh, real-life uh, player than he is a, you know, uh, what do you call it, advanced metrics guy. No, we just named you the list. The guys who have the reputation for being defensively wizards behind the plate, show up on this goddamn list. So I don't want to hear excuses yeah. for players' downfalls like that. And, you know, Salvador Perez, everyone's like, oh, he's is he a Hall of Famer? He's going to be a catcher with 200 home runs by the time it's all said and done. And, you know, people talk about it. And I'm like, okay, if we're going to put Salvador Perez in the Hall of Fame with his 14.4 career war, um, what does that say about Russell Martin, who yeah. has 55 career war and only 500 more games? I mean, by WRC plus, Martin was actually two percent better than Salvador Perez. He was 104. He had a 350 on base, a career slugging under 400. But you know that wasn't Martin's game. He was always a a high walk guy, good on base, and elite defensively. 306 defensive WAR over his near 1700 games. Uh, he's li- literally 41 wins above replacement, higher than Salvador Perez. You don't, are we talking about Russell Martin going into the Hall of Fame? Probably he not. Good. He should be. Honestly, he, he should case. be. Yeah. He, yeah. he could He could go in. But he's one of those guys who, when he played, he had the reputation of being very good defensively, but not to like the extent of a Yadier Molina, who in all reality, Russell Martin probably has just a good a case def- or, you know, going into the Hall of Fame as Yadier Molina. And here we go. Uh, since 2010, right? So this isn't the... the- in the grand scope of things, but since 2010 or yeah, let's just stick with 2010. Cause that's the, we, that's, that's the way that I did it with the defensive metrics. I mean, Buster Posey is the number one catcher of the last decade, followed by Yadier Molina. And then you got a Jonathan Lucroy who doesn't get to 40 wars in that time period. So if 40 war is, uh, and this is the fan graphs war, not, not the baseball reference, no. but if 40 war is going to be the, the benchmark, then Jonathan Lucroy, Yasmani Grandal and Russell Martin do not get hall of fame consideration in this decade. Now, if we want to take it a step further, take it all the way back to 2000 to get these some of these other guys uh, a higher war uh, for their careers, because some of these guys started well before 2010, yeah. as my computer is slowly but surely. There it is. OK, so now you got Buster Posey, Yadier Malia, Russell Martin, Brian McCann and Joe Maurer. And, and you could argue about Joe Maurer, but those are the only five catchers with 50 plus war during since yeah. 2000. Yeah, if Yadier Molina goes into me, Russell Martin should be a. I, yeah. They're in a virtual tie in war, uh, Fangraphs war right now. Uh, and that's with Yadier Molina having played in almost like 500 more games. And yeah. he's in a, a dead heat with uh, Russell Martin. Uh, Yadier's at like 55.4 and Martin's at 55.2. I, I mean, that's just insane. And nobody's going to talk about Russell Martin going into nope. the Hall of Fame. He, I, does he even stay on after one year? Who, Martin? No, probably not. Not, not, not if you're going to. But he should, but he should not if you view it from a traditional (laughs) standpoint, but I agree. I mean, he has a higher Wova than Yadier Molina. He has a higher WRC plus than Yadier Molina. He has a higher on base percentage than Yadier Molina has more home runs, more stolen bases, uh, better uh, walk rate. I mean, what else do you want? But you you could honestly argue that Yadier Molina said next year is it. And then he's done. He's at 168 home runs. Now Russell Martin was at 191 and his career is over. Um, is Yadier Molina even going to have as many home runs as Russell Martin? Hell no. Yeah. 
No. There we, RBI, there we go. I mean, that's a, that's a stat. Okay, so Molina has higher RBI, but. Russell uh, Martin batted like seventh and eighth in very good lineups exactly. for a long time in his career. Uh, it, it's just a, such a weird. Uh, I love this conversation because it shows the merits and flaws of both systems. Yeah. And let's take it a step further. We just talked about Yadi, uh, Salvador Perez having the uh, the reputation for being a defensive wizard, and, and we see that he's near the bottom of – I mean, he's still an elite company, but that's because he plays a lot. I mean, yeah. these are counting stats, by the way. Defensive run save. He's still yeah. a top 25 defensive catcher, but he's, like, ranked behind a lot of part-time players um, and a lot of uh, players who you wouldn't think would be better defensively in terms of the defensive metrics. Travis Darno. Yeah, Tra- oh, Travis Darno's on that list because I remember when Fangraphs finally added a framing to their yeah. defensive war for catchers, Travis Darno shot up the list because early in his career, he was a great framer, but nobody really talked about it. And everyone was just like, oh, he can't throw out base stealers. He's terrible defensively. <laughs> and then you look at his defensive war the first few years of his career and it, it's real high. Yeah. And then my final point was, if you're going to go off of reputation, just put Salvador Perez in the Hall of Fame just because he's re- a reputable catcher. I mean, Russell Martin, every team he's been on, they just all they did was win. They, they, he turned around the pitching staff. He turned around the culture with the Pirates, the Blue Jays. This is another guy. Uh, we, uh, the Cubs settled for Miguel Montero because Theo Epstein lost out on the Russell Martin sweepstakes. But yeah. Theo Epstein had Russell Martin circled in as, their, as his starting catcher to be the guy who would go from point A to point B on this 2016, 2017 Cubs team, or uh, yeah, this championship window Cubs teams. And uh, he ended up changing the culture for the Blue Jays. I mean, remember Jose, you know, all those guys, all those power sluggers that they had finally, finally uh, making the playoffs. And that's all Russell Martin. So, and, and Yardley Molina gets a lot of credit for being that difference maker uh, with the intangibles, even though the numbers don't show it. Well, there's a guy right here in Russell Martin who did have the intangibles and with the numbers that we have now, the statistics that we now have to evaluate these guys, these catchers, he's up there. Mar- Russell Martin is up there. So, yeah. but unfortunately, that's not the way the world works. Uh, they still got a bunch of uh, crusty old um, writers who still look at other things like will to win and toughness <laughs> and grit and all that nonsense. Anyway, that's catcher talk. That's a conversation, definitely a good conversation to have in the offseason when they um, they announce the Hall of Fame nominees or whatnot. So, looking forward to those talks in November. But in the meantime, final the final thing is that uh, our guy Jason from West Virginia, he wrote down, I uh, he made a comment in one of the posts about, uh, oh, it was about the shift, right? And it, conversation went into uh, how the advanced metrics have, and this is, this is his argument, Jason's argument for West Virginia. I'd actually say advanced metrics help ruin their product as well, uh, the product being Major League Baseball. Yes, a home run is better than a single, but at best, you're getting one home run every 10 at-bats. Okay. Best you're getting one home run every time bats against those extreme shifts. They're giving you at least a single if you go the other way. Okay, well, the best hitters in all of Major League Baseball have talked about how difficult it is. The left and these are left-handed hitters, like the Matt Carpenters, uh, the Daniel Murphys of the world. So this is an ESPN article from like 2016, 2017, around there, talking about how goddamn difficult it is to hit to the other side of the infield and to beat the shift. This is Major League Baseball. This isn't Little League Baseball. And, the, uh, and these are pitchers that are pitching into the shift. They exactly. are changing their entire strategy of how they attack the hitter because there is a shift. 
And sometimes that's a good thing for the pitchers. And sometimes it's a bad thing. Cause you know, what if you're a lefty on lefty situation, you're a pitcher and let's say you're a lefty with a cutter and you throw it really good to the outside. You basically have to pocket that outside cutter because if they're shifting on the hitter and they got three guys on the right side of the infield, they're going to just want to pound the hitter inside, 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 inside. So it's not just a simple, Oh, take it the other way. Uh, on a lot of the time, you just have to take the ball where it's pitched. And if you're pitched inside, you're going to try and pull it. If you try and go the other way with something that's jamming underneath your hands, at best, the ball is going to just pop up in the air, mm. probably get caught. I, it, it's not as simple as, oh, they need to teach somebody to go the other way. No, because this is the same thing we saw with Michael Conforto last year and into this year. Last year, he did a great job of beating the shift but he was pitched away more this year. He's struggled against the shift because they are consistently getting the fastball inside. And he's struggled to make that adjustment of trying to get back into a pull mode, even though they're shifting. If they're going to pitch you inside, you have to do damage and get it over the shift. You can't go the opposite way on a ball. That's down a fastball down and in. that's just, it's not going to happen like that. Yeah. And then uh, to answer the other point, that the advanced metrics ruined the baseball because home runs are better than singles. Well, I took a quick look, just one, two, three, four, five. So it's a five season sample says, right. Just to see what it looks like 2011, the league. And this is a very pitching dominant. I mean, this is the giants winning world series championships just because they had the best pitchers in a very dominant pitching era. Uh, runs per game was a 4.28. The home run per rate was a 2.5. I'm not going to spit out all the numbers so you could see those on the baseball life league, uh, baseball life, um, Facebook group where I made that comment. Uh, in, in 2011, the uh, ball in play percentage was 69%. Nice. Um, so, and then same thing in 2013, 4.17 runs per game, but at least the balls were in play all the time, but home runs were not also not high. Extra base hit rate was not high, but hey, in ball play, man, the ball was put in play at 68%. So then what happened in 2016? Runs per game went up to 4.48. 2019, runs per game went up to 4.89, and runs per game went up to uh, 4.5 in 2021. What changed? Well, home run rates went up. Extra base hits went up. But the but the ball in play percentage went down. Why? Oh, my God. But I thought, Sean, I thought these, these traditional fans keep telling me, that when you put the ball in play, it makes for more exciting baseball and it makes for more productive baseball. But that's not what the numbers are saying in the last 10 years, is it? No. And uh, and it's funny, though, because uh, you've had Major League Baseball playing around with said baseball. Mm-hmm. And you've had these teams that started catering their rosters and their player development to get these guys to hit more home runs, to tap in to every ounce of raw power they have in their body. And now you deaden the ball and it, it it's kind of going in the opposite direction now, like your comment shows. So it's um, honestly, they should just stop messing with the baseball. Yeah, they should. They shouldn't. One. They shouldn't have juiced it in the first place. They shouldn't have deadened it to and then said, oh, well, we don't know what we're doing with it. Yes, you know exactly what you're doing with it. Exactly. Um, leave it out there do whatever you got to do to the baseball and then just don't change it for 20 years, 30 years. I mean, why, why? Excuse me. Yeah. And I know, well, I mean, I know why you could make assumptions as to why, I mean, this, like, again, we went from a pitching dominant era to 
uh, an era where we can't, what we talk about every week, we can't find any pitchers on waiver wire for fantasy baseball. So, and <laughs> this is part of the reason why is because everybody's giving up home runs. Now every pitcher is seen as a bad pitcher. And, uh, but hey, that segues perfectly into our meat and potatoes subject matter for today. Where are we going to find these pitchers? And I told Sean, let's look at minor league pitchers just to see what the hell's going on in the minor leagues. Um, and it, it it's, it's part of our conversation that we had last week about, man, we can't find good starting pitchers anymore like we had in the past. They're nowhere to be found. Uh, they're not being developed as, as as good as before. COVID might have something to do with it. No, actually, it does, you know, short season yep. and all. And I figure, okay, well, we're not going to find anybody in the waiver wire, anybody good on waiver wires, right, from a fantasy baseball standpoint. And I'm pretty sure from a real-life baseball standpoint, fans are just frustrated to see another scrub go out there every five days, every six days, every seven days, piggybacking or whatever the hell the case might be. So where are we going to find these pitchers? To the minor leagues we go! And that's what we're going to study today. Uh, Sean, give me a list of seven. I have a list of six pitchers. Uh, most of Sean's are in double-A. Mine guys are all in triple-A, uh, unless otherwise noted. Although, why is Kyle Bradish? Anyway. Uh, we'll <laughs> His start- guys are bad. I'm just... Uh, uh, aside uh, from, like, uh, three uh, of them, they're uh, all bad. They're uh, all bad. No, uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, uh. I saw your guys. A lot of those guys have just as the future value is equal, if not worse, than the guys that I have on my list. So we're gonna we're gonna break it down. But you have more guys than I do. So we'll start with your guy, Graham Ashcraft, who pitches for the Cincinnati Reds, currently in double A, 23rd ranked team prospect for the Cincinnati Reds. Good fastball, still developing, good slider, good, really good breaking pitches to say the least. Uh changeup could use a little bit of more work. Command is still a work in progress. And I did this by um the minor league uh, field independent pitching. So right now, field independent pitching for those who don't and know. And I was focused on that when I was picking out this list of seven guys because his FIP is amazing. Yeah, 3.07. For those who don't know, FIP oh. is strikeouts, walks, y- y- and you, home you runs. have 3.07? I have yeah. 2.75 for the entire year. Between uh, between able high A and double A. Oh no, I, I only looked at one or the other. I wasn't gonna oh okay. So double A is at 3.07 okay. as of eight as of August 28th. Uh, for the notes I wrote down, strikeouts went down when he moved to when he got moved to double A, but he's a big ground ball pitcher. Graham Ashcraft, what else do you say about him? He was the guy uh, a couple weeks ago, Alyssa and I were in Chattanooga and we're like, hey, let's go to a Chattanooga lookouts game. And lookout. yeah, the lookouts and uh, it was hot as hell. And, you know, I'm not expecting that you're literally on top of a lookout mountain uh, and the sun was just beating down on you. And Graham Ashcraft, who is a name that I've seen floated around in the fantasy world for several years now, um, mainly everyone just thought he was reliever. I mean, he, the the whippy action, he's a reliever. He throws hard. He's got a good breaking ball, but the command's kind of meh. The delivery's kind of meh. Reliever. I mean, you just throw. We all have prospects like that. And then I saw him pitch in the first inning. and He was 97, 98, 99. And I'm like, holy hell, I didn't know this guy threw like this. And it's a really good cutter. Um, I believe he has a sinker as well that he throws. And then the breaking balls are one of those, you know, driveline Kyle Bodie. This is a guy who I think has really taken advantage of that. It's a high spin rate slider. Um, and he's really impressed me. He's a guy that you won't see on any top prospect list. But with the high ground ball, I, I really like what I'm seeing out of him uh, for the year. He has a 15.3 swinging strike rate, which is tied for the second highest on my list of seven guys. Uh, so yeah, that's Graham Ashcraft of uh, the Cincinnati Reds. And um, he just got recently called up to double a. So when do you think we can expect them in the majors? 
he could be anything as a reliever this year. Uh, TJ Antone, unfortunately, uh, is going to go down with Tommy John surgery. He'd been out for the last two months with a forearm strain, which really sucks because I really liked Antone. But I could see a lot of uh, Antone and Ashcraft, you know, guys that were really given up on possibly being starters, driveline Kyle Bodie coming to Cincinnati and really get the most out of these guys. TJ Antone, Tony Santian, uh, a lot of guys who probably in another system wouldn't be given an extra thought. So he could be as early as this year, but likely next year. Um, I really like his uh, outlook, especially in Cincinnati. And he's a ground ball pitcher in a home run friendly park. So if he can maintain that 60% ground ball rate, that'd be really good. So that's Graham Ashcraft, future relief pitcher in the major league. No, no, You just no. said that he's going to be called up to be a, a relief pitcher. I mean, like, like a swingman, like TJ Antone was brought up and he would right. go like two, two and a half innings at a time. So we, so yeah, we, we go from starting pitchers who can go five innings to guys who can piggyback on get two innings for you. That's fantastic. Hey, in I my, would rather I, I would rather get two and, good innings than somebody that gives up seven earned runs in three innings. Yeah, yeah, and that's so a ball, and that's what Baltimore pitchers do. But we're back. We're back to where we started. Where we're like, let's find pitchers that can help big league clubs and fantasy. You know, trying to get both uh, kill two birds with one stone. And you're giving me a guy who's a relief pitcher. So congratulations, you played yourself. I don't yourself think he's great. a relief pitcher. You though. just said he's going to be called up no, to be a relief pitcher. He could be. That. He could be. Tony San. Okay, Tony Santian was called up as a starter uh, a couple of months ago for Cincinnati when they had a bunch of injuries, and then he went back down, kept starting, and they just called him up and they have him in the bullpen now. That's what happens when you're an optionable pitcher on the 40 man roster, which I don't so think Ashcraft it. is yet. So that okay. would that probably lends credence to him coming up next year. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on him. See what happens. Uh, my guy, Aaron Ashby, is actually pitching right now for the Milwaukee Brewer as we speak. Uh, he's the highest ranked player uh, uh, on this list with uh, with his own team, with the Brewer system at number one pitch. Uh, he, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about is going to be what he has done in AAA. He's also one of the only guys on the Fangraphs top 150, I guess. I don't know how deep that Fangraphs list goes, but he's ranked number 104. No one else is ranked on the overall ranking on this list. Uh, decent, really good fastball, I should say. Yep. Really, actually, really great pit, breaking pitches. Yeah. Uh, decent changeup. Command is an issue, but he has actually, this is the highest value guy. On this yep. list at 50. But my guys are crap. Apparently. No, Aaron Ashby's all. I, I love Aaron Ashby and Joe Ryan. Okay. The rest of the list is kind of bleh. Aaron Ashby came uh-huh. in in relief uh, last week, um, actually last Sunday against Washington, and was throwing lefty on lefty against Juan Soto and got him to strike out. I mean, that's anyone who gets Juan Soto to strike out, I think, deserves some sort of second look. But he did it. It was a relief outing, but he got up to 99 on a sinker. And he's always had great stuff. He's got a great breaking ball. The issue with Ashby will always come down to command. Uh, He got called up at the end of June, June 30th. Everyone was excited because, you know, he has exciting stuff. And he went two-thirds of an inning and gave up uh, seven runs, four of them earned, with three walks and no strikeouts. It was, you know, probably the worst debut you could ever think of as, you know, a major leaguer. You you just come up and you want to do well and you just – don't get the job done at all. In those three games since, not including, I think he just pitched today. Yeah, and he, pitched he, yeah, today. yeah and I'm he, about to give he, you the numbers right now. Five innings, no runs, seven strikeouts, nine strikeouts. Uh, on the last outing? No, today. 
Oh, today I'll, I'll tell you right now. Five innings pitched, three hits allowed, two run, uh, two runs runs allowed. Oh, two one walk, okay. four strikeouts. He gave up a home run, but he had. Uh, oh, I don't know if he uh, if the Brewers were leading when he got taken out, but Brewers are up six two. Uh, he if if things are going according to plan. Oh yeah, yeah, he's gonna get the win if the Brewers can stay healthy, uh, can maintain this lead. And I I think yeah, Devin Williams is out there. It's it's all but a shutdown case at this point. Yeah, <laughs> once you get to the eighth inning of the Brewers, really the seventh inning because Brad yeah. Boxberger's had a, a hell of a year. But um, anyway, in, in the three starts or three appearances before today, because like I said last week was a relief appearance. Uh, he went and combined eight innings. Obviously, you want to see more length, but post-COVID, shortened season, they're probably not going to push him that far. Uh, he'd gone eight innings, only allowed seven hits, one walk, so a whip of right at one, nine strikeouts. So nine, nine strikeouts to one walk rate is really what you want to see out of Ashby. I really do like him. He keeps the ball on the ground. Uh, he suffered a little bit from a high Babbitt this year, 379, not including today's start. Um but uh, yeah, I, I like the fastball velo. I like it's from the left side. I like the high ground ball. He, he's the best name on your list. But uh, I don't think yeah. he's 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 probably already taken. I'm not sure what his roster ship rate is I'll, in I'll CBS. Take a look. I'll take a look. But he's he's just somebody four percent. Four percent, really? Yeah. Oh, he no, should I mean, be. This, I mean, high. this is the that's the that's the topic. That's the theme of the show. Like you, these are guys you're not. Most baseball fans are not going to know about. Because yeah. they don't care. They, they, I mean, they see uh, who the hell is Aaron. Is that you mean Andy Ashby or An- no? Actually, it's, I, I, it was just Andy Ashby, right? And there was no other Ashby's <laughs> in Major League Baseball. But uh, yeah, no one's going to know about Aaron Ashby. But yeah, and they should know about him after today. So um, yeah, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, okay. Uh, so what I did was because we were going to have a show this uh, last Monday, so I started looking at the FIP list to see if I could find you know no. who the highest ranked AAA guys were. And Aaron Ashby still at the top of that list at 2.66 as, but then, you know, I went ahead and, you know, re, 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 uh, gather the data again. And this is as of August 23rd. And I, I only went with a minimum of 50 innings pitched. So I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of, uh, decent guys that are out there, but I was looking for a quantity because if you're at 50 innings pitched and you have a pretty good FIP, I just started wondering how long before you get called up. I mean, We've seen it plenty of times with these pitchers at AAA who just get a cup of coffee or get one spot start. And if they do well, they stick around. If they do bad, well, back to the minors they go. But 2.6 minor, uh, minor league FIP at AAA as of August 23rd. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, he did start uh, three games with the Brewers, 6.2 innings pitch only. Has racked up the strikeouts in AAA, but like you mentioned, struggles with control. But there's the impressive part, 66.9 ground ball rate. So, no, it's a lot to... Uh, a lot to, uh, what do you call it, to be hopeful for as uh, the Brewers might have a guy who can shore up that rotation uh, in time for the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, and anytime you have a lefty that throws as hard as he does, they're yeah. going to get roped. I mean, they are going to get roped. They're going to give chance after chance after chance. Look how long Steven Matz has been in the big leagues. <laughs> I mean, that, that's basically it right there. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Ashby, obviously, lower floor, higher, higher ceiling than Steven Matz. But yeah. I, I think a, you know, noticeable comp for him you know lefty with good stuff uh you'd really like to see a more pronounced i think third pitch um from ashby because I, I think the slider and the curve are really closer to the same pitch i need to go check out his savant but the the change up in the command uh i think are going to be the end all be all for him all right well from aaron ashby it goes all downhill from here none nobody else has a future value of 50 but that's what we're all about i mean 
there was a pitcher who I just we just talked about. Uh, I mentioned back and forth with you when we were talking offline. There was a pitcher who's up right now getting getting all the hoopla, and he's only like at forty future value. So you never know with these guys. Peyton Battingfield, uh, that that's yep. Sean's guy from the Cleveland Guardians of the Galaxy. He was one of the guys, the big one of the minor league prospects we talked about who got traded at the deadline. Uh, currently at Double A, or at least the numbers that we're going to talk that I'm going to talk about are from Double A. 42nd ranked prospect for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Really good fastball. No slider to speak of. He does have a curveball, which is kind of uh, mid-level. Changeup is still a work in progress, but could be a really, really good pitch for him if he works it properly. Command is still an issue. Future value of 35 plus and a uh, FIP of 3.22 as of what day did I say? August 28th for the AA guys. Big strikeout rate. Great control. Has fly ball tendencies. Sean, are you, are you um, worried about his fly ball tendencies over there? Uh, not necessarily. I do take offense to you saying, I, I know you're looking at the, the current and future value of the tools, but so far this year in 88 innings, Peyton Battenfield has a 1.43 walks per nine. Anytime I can see a starter limit walks, it's really exciting to see. Uh, this year, his K percentage minus walk percentage is the highest and it's not even close of anyone on this list at 30.5%. Uh, batters are only batting 163 against him. Granted, that does come with a 222 BABIP, but when you are inducing a lot of fly balls, that's something that tends to happen. We saw this with Christian Javier in the minors. Everyone saw the, that he really maintained these low BABIPs and, you know, lots of strikeouts, low walks, because he just threw that invisible fastball up in the zone. I think Peyton Battenfield's kind of in the same uh, boat here. Uh, but, you know, tied with Graham Ashcraft and swinging strikeout or sw- swinging strike rate at uh, 15.3 as well. Uh, so, yeah, another guy that I like. Uh, Cleveland went out and got him from Tampa. Uh, we talked about that on the yep. trade deadline episode, that whenever those two teams are like, grabbing somebody from the other person's system, you know, they see something and we yeah. know Cleveland's notoriety for, or notoriety for uh, developing pitching. Uh, the, it was Tanner hook who I was thinking about who only had a future value of 45. And we, at the beginning of the season, we were begging the Red side clamoring to bring up Tanner Hoek already. Stop ruining his career. He was so fun to watch it down the stretch in the 2020 season. And he spent, all that time at the beginning of the year, you made like one start, one relief appearance, and it was to the minors you go. And I'm just like, uh, Garrett Richards gets to start, Martin yeah. Perez gets to start. Like, oh, actually, I, I, I like I like Garrett Richards, but Martin Perez, kick rocks. Yeah. I want yeah. Tanner Huck. But uh, yeah, that's why we're doing it because you never know, man. You never know. Yeah, we could talk about the. I mean, just for comparisons. Yeah, let's. We could talk about the. The highest ranked uh, pitchers in, in Major League Baseball's, uh, you know, uh, prospect list of 100. Yeah, let's take a look at them really quick. Lightning on Grayson Rodriguez, double A. He's not going to help you anytime soon. Uh, Jack Leiter, he just got drafted. He's not going to help. And he plays for the Rangers, so who knows? Rangers, that's where pitchers go to die, apparently. Shane Bass, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. We don't know if he's going to be a pro- starter or a relief pitcher or when he's yeah, going to be called I, up. Yeah, I think if he gets called up, it's going to be as a relief pitcher, and yeah, it's so, going to be David Price all over again. So from, from a fantasy standpoint, that's not going to help you. Reed Detmers getting killed by Major League hitting, so he's not helping you. Hunter Green, uh, wait till next year. He's not going to help you right now. Edward Cabrera uh, remains to be seen. He just got called up recently, but remains to be seen what he can do in the big leagues. Max Meyer, he's in double A. He's not going to help. Nick Lodolo, triple A, but... 
Is he going to get called up? Uh, I, I don't think Lodolo gets the call this year. I, no, I think, no, I think no. it's next year. Okay, so he's not going to help. George Kirby and Emerson Hancock for the Seattle Mariners. Double A, they're not helping anytime soon. And knowing how the Mariners are doing things, you're going to wait a while for those guys. Uh, Kate Cavalli for the Washington Nationals, Triple A. You like him? Don't like him? What do you think? Uh, I think really good. I, he could make one or two starts down the stretch, uh, but okay. he just got promoted to Triple A. Okay, but, so he's not going to uh, help. Kyber Ruiz just got the call and he was only in AAA for Washington for, you know, a couple weeks after the trade. And the Nationals have already let Josiah Gray start after acquiring him from the Dodgers, who spent most of the year in AAA. Uh, Cavalli maybe gets a start down the stretch, but I, I want to count on it. Yeah, I'm not counting on that either. Nate Pearson, uh, man, boy, what a that this is not the way his 2021 was. Nate, Nate Pearson is just Forrest Whitley and we're, we don't want to say it yet. Okay. Remember when Forrest Whitley was like the top five pitching or top five pitcher in baseball? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Nate Pearson. And then it's just injury after injury. And then they come back and they suck. And then they go back down with another. It's Forrest Whitley all over again. Yeah. And Forrest Whitley. I mean, we talk about my guy sucking. Forrest Whitley was at 50, 55 plus, maybe even close to 60 future value. And yeah, I'm just stuck, which just completely went down. So, you, like I said, you never know with these pitchers. They're they're so dynamic. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, we know about Sixto Sanchez. <laughs> uh, where's Henry Maldonado when you want to when you want to <laughs> talk about him? We did him a favor uh, basically by not letting him keep both Nate Pearson and Sixto Sanchez. Uh, okay, let's and then and then, and then the last guy on the top fifty because we can go on forever. Jackson Jove, I think you guys get the message here. Jackson Jove, uh, his ETA is still twenty twenty five, so yeah. he's not going to help you anytime no. soon. So that's the point to all of this. Let's if these top tier prospects are not going to help you, let's look for our other minor leaguers who will because they will get called up, they will get spot starts, they will. Uh, some teams might catch lightning in a bottle, and our job as fantasy baseball people is to figure out where that lightning in the bottle will be striking. Maybe with River San Martin with the Reds, 25-year-old AAA, not ranked with the team rankings, according to Fangraphs. So clearly he's not ranked overall, but he's having a decent season with a 3.17 FIP. Fastball's bad, slider's bad. I'll admit it. Change-ups, that's going to be his bread and butter if he can find a way to be consistent with it. And the command is there as well, according to Fangraphs' uh, um, 80-grade yeah, I don't think grades. he's all that different from Graham Ashcraft. I, I think they have equally good chances of, you know, being a solid major league pitcher. Are they going to get used this year? I have not a clue. Probably not. Probably but, not. But I mean, I mean, I, I don't see that much of a difference between San Martin and Ashcraft. Uh, but after San Martin, um, you got two more and then the other two are just why. Well, because they uh, they showed up on the list and the, at the top of the FIP, but no, I, I I put down I put down their deficiencies, so don't worry about it. You'll you'll, <laughs> you'll hear from me. You know, I do both pluses and and weaknesses. All right, so don't don't mind me, man. Uh, but Mar- San Martin has only started three games at Double A, so yeah, it's a sample size issue. And like you mentioned with uh, Graham Ashcraft, he's seen time both at starting pitcher and relief pitcher. Um, was that supposed to be triple eight? No, it started. Ah, see, now I'm confused. He, he made he made three starts in double A over four total ah, games, and then and, he's and made then the rest in triple A. Yeah, he's been in okay. triple A most of the year. Thank you for clarifying. Has great control, 50% ground ball rate. Uh, he recently got suspended in late June for foreign substance usage. Oh, he got caught. Gasp. So, a little bit of stock uh, issue there, but this is a crafty. Uh, what, what, where does he throw? Lefty, crafty lefty. Uh, 25 year old. We might see him just, just like your guy, Graham Ashford. We might see him. We might not see him. He might come out of the bullpen. We may not come out of the bullpen as of right now, though. 
Uh, the FIP is solid at 3.17, so that's why he made the list, and that's why he's on the radar. Yep. Going to Caleb Killian for your Chicago Cub. Um, he was also part of that trade uh, at the trade deadline. 24-year-old, double A, uh, ranked 25th overall for the Cubs. He's a 45-grade fastball. Slider and breaking pitches are work in progress. The changeup might be something to keep an eye on, but this is where it's where it's his career is going to be made or broken here is that command. If he, the command is just ridiculous. I mean, this is like the way you describe some of the Mariners prospects, 40 plus future value though. So is it limited upside? Is it going to be more than that? Will it keep going? What will the future hold? Stay tuned. 2.81 FIP. That's why he's on uh, Sean's list. And here are my notes. Impressive control and command has struggled since getting traded to the Cubs, but showed he was a consistent ground ball uh, pitcher in San Francisco. What else do you have to add about my guy, Caleb Killian? I, he, I think he's kind of in that same ballpark as Peyton Battenfield, except he uh, pitches more and gets more stuff on the ground rather than just fly ball, fly ball, fly ball. He has the lowest walks per nine of any of the seven guys on my list at 1.17, which just seems unreal. Um, batting 204 against him, sub one whip, uh, 2.45 FIP for the year. I think he's a really interesting get. And he's already 24 years old. And did they promote him to Chicago? Did keep him in Double A after acquiring him, uh, pitching to a, a four ERA. But you know, we'll see how it goes. The walks and strikeouts are still just about where they were in San Francisco, um, but could be a legitimate piece uh, going for the Cubs. And at 24 years old, could move a little bit faster than your average typical Double A pitcher. Uh, Fangers has him as an ETA of 2022, and that makes sense. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Um, so. Let's see here. Ah, next on my list uh, is actually a guy who is not on the Fangraphs top 120 or whatever the hell number they go up to. However, Jackson Coward, I found out just by dumb luck and flukiness, is ranked number 91 in Major League Baseball's uh, prospects top 100 list. So he's in AAA already. Uh, let's see, 24-year-old AAA. He's the eighth best prospect, according to Fangraphs, in the Royals, Kansas City Royal system. He's a big fastball. Not much of a slider, but the curveball might be his best pitch, according to their uh, prospects grade. Uh, Changeup is there, but it's nothing to brag about. And there's a command issue. Future value of 45. Again, those are dynamic. It can go up. It can go down. 2.89 FIP. That's why he made the list. He did make. He did uh, meet my criteria of being under 25. 50, minute, 50 innings minimum pitch. And he's somewhere in the top 10, top 15 in, F- in field independent pitching. So the notes. High strikeouts, but double-digit walk rate. So like I said, he does have a command issue. Has a high whip and only a ground ball rate of 43.8%. So uh, it's still a work in progress, even at AAA. I don't see him coming up soon uh, to the Royals, especially the Royals seem to have all their um, minor leaguers that they can handle in their rotation at the moment. But um, this is an intriguing. I mean, there's a reason why Coward was uh, a top 100 uh, piece for Major League Baseball's uh, prospect list. And what was something else about him? He's already yeah. made his debut this year. Yes, and it, has, and yes. it, it, it was like Ashby's. He didn't last an inning. Uh, he gave up four earned runs, no strikeouts, two walks. He followed that up the next week with more walks than strikeouts, so only lasted an inning and a third. And then the week after that, he pitched three innings in relief, gave up two earned runs, only one strikeout. So we haven't seen the strikeouts translate at all at the major league level. He is one of those young Kansas City arms that they seem to be cranking out like a, a damn factory over there. It's ridiculous. And, yeah. it, and it's reminiscent of, you know, how I said the Braves, they always had those arms, Aaron Blair, <laughs> Matt Whistler, and they just 
they were good prospects and they slapped it against the wall and saw what stuck. I yeah. feel like Kansas City is doing that approach right now. Yeah, and yeah. Um, we talked about we, a guy. we liked a lot of these guys as prospects and they are yeah. getting to the major leagues and they're not being as productive as we thought they were going to be, which uh, could not be a very good thing with Kansas City because they've really invested heavily in high upside arms in the draft yep. the last five or six years. And if only one or two of those guys hit instead of like three or four, uh, you're in trouble because they just don't have the resources to kind of absorb a hit like that. Well, you know what the problem is there, Sean? Several press is behind the plate, uh, messing with the frame. <laughs> it has to be, right? If yeah. Salvador Press was that good, these pitchers would look like dynamite right now, like a thousand, like a million bucks right now. <laughs> let's let's look. Uh, so just for to recap what the Royals are doing. So uh Chris Bubich, uh Carlos Hernandez, Daniel Lynch, Brady Singer are all part of that uh what you just mentioned. Let's see which pitchers stick. And And Carlos Hernandez really came out of nowhere this year. I mean, he he got was kind of thrown in at the beginning of the year because of injuries. And he's really turned it on and shown to be a good piece for him late. But uh, he's not someone that I'm really trusting. I mean, this could just be a a good stretch for him. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it could be not. But like I said, I mean, the the whole point uh, that I was trying to make is that a lot of these guys are either 25 or below. And they're all at one point were part of the Royals system, like you mentioned, trying to invest in pitching. And in the AAA minor leagues, you have Jacob Junis, who at one point may have been a guy, but he's already 29 years old and already in the AAA. Uh, Jackson Cower, who we just mentioned right now. Um, I feel like there were more guys. Where's the other guys? That are, uh, oh, uh, oh, okay. Maybe they all got I'm, called up. Yeah, Asa Lacey is, you know, was their first uh, round draft pick in, yeah. in 20, but he's still in, I believe... Yeah, high A. Yep. Um, and then you, like you mentioned, it's um, Bubich, Lynch, and Singer. Those are three first round picks. Uh, Lynch and Singer were both in eighteen, and uh, actually, all three of those were top forty picks in twenty eighteen. That must have been when Mustakas left and yep. Hosmer left. Yep. I, I thought sense. Hosmer left after fifteen. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, but. Uh, yeah, that was they were all drafted in the first round, 18, 34, and 40. And all three are in their major league rotation now, but uh not having as much success as we expected them to. It's the thing about pitchers, man. They're like, well, that's the whole theme, right? Is they're, they're so unpredictable, they're so dynamic. And uh, I mean, we saw with the White Sox with uh, them trying to acquire all the pitchers that they can handle, and they have had mixed results with Lucas Giolito turning into an ace until he wasn't this year. So yeah. uh, anyway, let's move on to your guy, Michael Plasmeyer of the Tampa Bay Rays or no, the Giants, right? I think last I checked, he was with the Giants. Oh, uh, it's still, yes, he would have been involved. What? I thought he was still Tampa. He was Tampa this year. So uh, I didn't uh, find him uh, with the Tampa Rays. According to roster resources, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll double check right now, but yeah, he, he was double A for Tampa earlier this year, but he's uh, been in San Francisco since then. Okay. That makes uh, sense. He's an interesting, you know, 24 year old lefty, uh, high command. And he, he's another high command guy that San Francisco went out and acquired. Uh, so they definitely have a type uh, before they traded Killian. Obviously, Killian was in that system. Uh, and so it's interesting that maybe they felt okay about trading Killian by getting a guy like Michael Plasmeyer, uh, who was pitching in Montgomery this year. I believe I saw him pitch once before he got traded. Um, but, you know, not a, a super crazy arm, but, you know, an arm. And I, I think he's an interesting guy just to keep tabs on. I mean, he's, he's nothing crazy. No, and I'm going to – I'll tell him. But he's a, he's, a, he's a low walk guy. And, I you know, I like the low walk guys in the minors. 
a solid ground ball rate. Nope. No, he, he's more fly ball. Uh, yeah. He he has a really high pop-up rate. Uh, him and another Tampa Bay arm share that, and I thought it was really cool. The swing strike rate is the lowest on my list at 11.7. So uh, could be more reliever, but we'll see. Uh, here are the rankings here. Uh, 33rd ranked on the Giants system. Uh, f- again, just like Killian, fastball and breaking pitches are nothing to brag about. It's the changeup and the command that are going to be his bread and butter if he does make it. Only a 40 uh, future value. But again, we've seen plenty of future value 40 guys who are contributing to both real and fantasy baseball. Uh, you mentioned control and command are there. A bit of a problem with the home run ball. He has a fly ball pitcher. And you already talked about all the other things that you like and dislike about Michael Plassmeyer. Let's move on to my guy, Joe Ryan. And that's one of the few guys that you were excited to talk about. Uh, also from the Rays, right? He was, yeah, he, he Rays. was, he was in, he's in the Minnesota system now, but he yeah. was part of the Nelson Cruz deal. Another one of those locates the fastball up in the zone, high, high fly ball, high strikeouts, uh, probably will have an issue with home runs, but there's another guy in Minnesota who's starting for their big league team right now who reminds me a lot of Joe Ryan, and I think it's a slept-on type of profile, and that's Bailey Ober. Um, Bailey Ober's six foot nine. He throws the ball maybe like 92, 93, but he consistently gets it up in the zone. Two lefties. Lefties swing under it a lot, and then he has a good enough slider against righties. Joe Ryan really needs a third pitch, but if he can locate that fastball consistently and he has a plus slider to go with it, um, he was a really good arm in Tampa system in 2019, really rose a lot, uh, and then was kind of stuck in neutral this year before being traded for Nelson Cruz. Yeah, every time I want to go pick up, um, what's it called, Bailey Ober, I look at his advanced stats and I go, uh, maybe I'll wait a little longer. Maybe I'll wait a little it, longer. It's, it's such a weird profile, especially for him. It's like you see a 92, 93 mile an hour fastball, and they just whiff on it over and over again as long as he keeps it up in the zone. Uh, but he's one of those. He's a high fly ball, high, could be a higher strikeout guy in the majors as he gets more uh, time. But I, I think Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober are interesting mirrors of each other aside from height, because I actually think Ryan is on the lower. He's, he's sick listed at 6'2. So okay. he's not too short. This is what uh, Bailey, Ober ha- Bailey Ober has done. And then we'll go back to talking about Joe Ryan and the notes that I have here. But Bailey Ober, and since week, se- uh, week 17, and if you're in a points league like I am, this is what you're looking at. Week 17, 13 and a half points. Week 18, eight and a half points. Week 19, five and a half points. Week 20, 10 and a half points. Week 21, 10 and a half points. Week 22, 12 points. So it's like, it's like, yeah, I want to like, get I, I think he's more useful in like deeper leagues. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's an interesting. Now with Joe Ryan, what is interesting since being traded to Minnesota, he's made two starts in uh, St. Paul, their triple A gone nine innings, 17 strikeouts in those nine innings. Impressive. A 64.3 ground ball percentage. Uh, he had never been higher than 38, and that was all the way back in 2018. So I would I would assume that's just a small sample size um, blurb, but still two ERA. He was at three and a half uh, in Tampa's AAA team in Durham, but strikeout rate 11.84, and once again a walk rate 1.58. If there's a minor league pitcher and he has like a sub two walk per nine and a K per nine of at least nine or ten, nine and a half, ten, uh, I I'm going to be all over them. Well, uh, getting back to the other thing I wanted to talk about, Michael, uh, sorry, <laughs> Michael over Bailey over is that he's uh, only a 19% of leagues, but yeah, it's like every, he's available 
all the time. And like, every time I want to go for him, I'm like, I don't know, man, there's like, there's still better pitchers out there, I think. But I mean, there's a little, there's promise there. You, you always got to look out for a guy who's six, eight, cause you know, things might uh, start uh, developing and, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say Randy Johnson, but that's always like the comparison that people go to when it comes, when it comes to basketball size pitchers <laughs> is, uh, yeah, well, one day he could be Randy Johnson or be Randy Johnson's uh, diet, Dr. Soda one day. So, uh, let's see. Well, getting to Joe Ryan notes. Here. Oops, deleted something. Uh, Joe Ryan's notes here. Twenty-five year old out of AAA, tenth best prospect in the Twin system at the moment. Big time fastball, really good slider, no curveball though. Uh, the only yeah. pitcher on this list with no changeup. He has a cutter that's uh, still a work in progress. It looks like the command is there. Future value of forty-five, three point two three FIP as of August twenty-third. Fan- My notes are fantastic control, racks up the strikeouts, fly ball pitcher. However. But he might get called up in September, so we'll see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked he's not already up for Minnesota. Uh, I thought uh, once yeah. they acquired him, he was just going to be like instantly thrown into the rotation. Uh, you know but, how the Twins are, man. Yeah. You know how the Twins are. Uh, Logan Allen, who's actually in the Major League uh, Ball Club right now. Um, I've been hearing about Logan Allen, Logan Allen since forever. Former Padres farmhand. 24 years old still. Jesus Christ. Like, I feel like he's been in the league since forever, that like, he should be 30, but he's only 24. The AAA is, uh, the, the numbers out of AAA is what we're going to, I'm going to discuss right now. Uh, he's on, since he's been in the league forever, he's not ranked on the team or overall rankings anymore. Uh, has a decent fastball, slider, curveball, still a work in progress. Changeup is where it's at with him. However, 60 grade uh, changeup. The command is a, still a problem after all these years, but he still has a maintaining a future value of 45. Triple uh, A minor league FIP was at five point six eight, which is very high here. Currently up with the Cleveland Guardians of the Galaxy, still has control problems, can't keep the ball in the park. Uh, Logan Allen, so what is uh, derailing his progress and getting to be a consistent starting pitcher there? Right here, I, I had him on my list and my list disappeared, but we're gonna recover. No issues okay. there. Sure. Uh, was I? I think I had the wrong Logan Allen, and I didn't mean to put him there. Oh, I, yeah, I, I was looking at some list and he did not have a 5.68. So we'll just scrub that. Um, it was probably the other Logan Allen that's actually doing really good for San Francisco. And he just appeared because he had at least 50 innings pitched in their minor league system. So we're just okay. not going to. Wait, there is a Logan, no, there it's is Webb. Logan it's Allen. Webb. It's Webb. It's Webb. Logan Webb. Yeah, I think oh, it was Webb. He's already. I know, but he had like 50. I, I That was a. Fudge, okay. don't don't worry about it. All right, uh, we'll Mulligan, skip Mulligan, skip Logan Allen. All right, let me highlight this. Uh, and there's two color. Logan Allen, so it's even more confusing too. Yeah, so there's a Logan Allen in Double A right now with the Cleveland uh, uh, Guardians, also a 40 plus future value ETA 2024. So uh, that's what, what, what's his FIP? Because that might have been the one that I was looking at, honestly. Uh, his FIP in Double A right now 3.88. Okay, maybe it wasn't him either. Maybe. I don't know. He's only pitching 39 in the third innings. In no, he wouldn't, but he, he wouldn't have been on my list. But he did pitch in 51 in the third innings in high A. But uh, again, uh, that Logan Allen, the other Logan Allen, <laughs> uh, that's a major work in progress still. So let's go ahead and skip that. Let's go back to my guy, Alexander Wells for the Orioles. 25-year-old at triple It 100% was the other Logan uh, Logan Allen. But we're, we're moving on. Move on. All right. <laughs> That's what I figured, but I'm like, why is he bringing? I mean, he was in the minors. He has yeah. done, you know, back and forth between the majors and the minors. He was a former big time prospect until he wasn't anymore. But okay, we can skip him. Uh, Alexander I mean, Wells are the well, also because this one is the one that was just drafted in the second round of last year's draft, and he's already in Double A at 22. Uh, both years or both stops this year, he's had a K per nine right around 11. 
uh, combined. The FIP is going to be right around three. He had a 2.82 FIP in high A ball, and now he's a 3.88 in double A over his last uh, eight games, 39 innings. Uh, I do think he is a, a solid lefty. I really liked him in the draft coming out of the draft last year. It just it's very confusing when you have two Logan Allens on the same team because they traded for Logan Allen, the one that's on the major league team from San Diego, and then they drafted yep. Logan Allen, yep. and that's just uh, no good, especially they, when you're trying to make lists. I mean, where are the middle initials on this one to differentiate <laughs> between the two? Seriously, uh, what was I going to ask you? You know, six foot one hundred. This is again Logan Allen, the double, the, the guy who's still in the, the lefty, the lefty, because yes. I think the other ones are righty. Correct. The one who sucks. <laughs> Sorry, he Logan. Reminds me of a pitcher for the Cardinals that they traded him. For Brandon Moss, I believe, and same size and stature, same crafty profile. That's what he reminds me of. The more I see of this, and I can't remember the guy's name at this point. Ah, oh, that's gonna that's gonna bother me. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, oh yeah, Alexander Wells, right? Yes. Oh God, uh, out of the Orioles, uh, somehow he ends up with a very good <sighs> FIP, even after I double and triple checked uh, a week or two later. Oh, it was was it Rob Kaminsky? Maybe. Oh my, he didn't do it. You keep it going. I'll, I'll look to see what deals Brandon Moss was in. Sure. No, it, it is that one. It's, yeah, Rob Kaminsky. Yeah, Cleveland yeah. Indians traded Brandon Moss Cardinals. Uh, okay, so Kaminsky was a more curveball pitcher. This Logan Allen that you just uh, spoke of, he was uh, he's a, a changeup guy. Um, the same future value of forty. And oh, he oh my God, he's back with the oh he's uh, he's up at the Cardinals. Uh, Rob Kaminsky. A, oh, last year he was. Sorry, my uh, bad. Last year he was uh, pitched five games for them. It was really bad. So, <laughs> so now I can't differentiate between Logan Allen, Logan Allen, and Rob Kaminsky. They're the same guys. Okay. So I, okay. Seriously, Alexander Wells, Orioles, 25 year old out of AAA, 33rd ranked uh, team prospect. Um, fastball, nothing to brag about. I mean, it's really low, apparently. 35 out of 35. Yeah, like, well, oh, well I, I, have, really. I have never seen a fastball be given a 35 on fan graphs. I've never seen it. Never seen it. Yeah. I'm surprised he even. Well, the the other qualifier was you got to have a, a prospect. Um, the prospect grades on your on your Fangraphs profile, and he does. So uh, I'm just kind of wondering why he's on it, but he's on it, and we're gonna talk about it. 45 slider, 55 curve. So maybe that's why he's, he's like his curveball might be that impressive, kind of like uh, Rob Kaminsky's. Uh, <laughs> Changeup is at 50 out of 55, so it's still work in progress. But there, here's the bread and butter for him. It's the command. It's all about the command with Alexander uh, Wells, as uh, that is probably the reason why he has a 3.51 FIP for AAA uh, uh, for the Orioles. Here's what I wrote about him. Has great control, but has very limited strikeout upside. I mean, with the... Uh, that's putting it mildly, Felipe. Uh, this is a guy who in the minors has never had a K per nine higher than 7.9. Yeah. Like, this is... Yeah, he's basically uh, Kyle uh, Hendricks at this point, right? He's a Kyle Hendricks of minor league uh, Orioles minor league baseball. Uh, he's a fly ball pitcher who keeps the ball in the park, so that's probably the other reason why <laughs> FIP is so. Well, it's probably one of the reasons why his FIP is so low because he is able to keep the ball in the ballpark, which, as you know, for the Orioles, that's always a struggle to find guys like that. And has been called up to the Orioles numerous times already this year. So his home run per nine is already higher than it was at any stop in the minor leagues. Stop it. This guy is not good. Do not add this guy. You will add him. You'll be in the middle of a playoff race in your fantasy league, and he's going to give up six earned runs in like an inning and a half. Don't add this guy. He's bad. He's just bad. I'm sorry, yeah, he's, Alexander he's, he's Walls. Bad. I mean, he's uh, he's bad, but, you know, posting a higher uh, 
FIP than the Logan Allen you told me to put down here. So <laughs> okay, that was that was a mess up. <laughs> yeah, a ten point nine swing strike rate. He like you said, he's more fly ball than ground ball. He barely cracks ninety with the fastball. And when I see a fly ball pitcher that doesn't miss bats and doesn't strike out guys pitching in Baltimore and the American League East as a lefty. Oh God, that's like batting practice. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like I said, it, he's not. He he got all the qualifiers in. Fifty innings pitch, high FIP or uh, well, low FIP. Lower is better in these stats. Triple uh, A has a prospects uh, profile on Fangraphs, so thought it was worth checking out. At any rate, uh, we've seen flyball pitchers be successful. I don't know about in the ALEs, but we thought, we have seen them be successful in Major League Baseball. <laughs> It's uh, one of those things where everybody wants a big ground ball pitcher, but sometimes some players and some teams like to zig when everybody. Hey, I, I like Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan. They're not ground ball pitchers, but at least they miss bats and can sure, throw 90, sure. 92, 93. Yeah. So uh, Joe Jose Buto is your guy. Uh, the next guy from the Mets. Oh, yeah. ah, crap. I knew I forgot something. I, I don't have their ages, so I'll have to add that. After he is 23. Time. He's 23. Okay, thank you for that. Double-A pitcher, the 14th-ranked uh, prospect Jose Buto is for the Mets. Uh, fastball is low. Slider is eh, no curveball to speak of. But, again, like this is going to be like the majority of the theme for these guys. Change-up is where it's at. The command is still a work in progress, but it's it's promising. Only a future value of 40. FIP of 4.03 as of August 28th. Uh, my notes, posting very impressive strikeout per nine and walk per nine ratios. What else do you have to add about Jose Buto? Jose Buto is probably one of the most slept on prospects in all of the New York Mets system. I honestly thought he was going to be a guy that they moved at the deadline because other teams were starting to catch on to him. He could potentially have the best changeup in all of my, my ugh, in all of minor league baseball. Uh, he spent his first, you know, half of the year in high A Brooklyn. He made 12 starts. Brooklyn. Yeah, 9.26K per nine. He's never before that in the minors, was never a high strikeout guy. Uh, but 9.26 up at that point was a career high for him. But the ERA was at 4.3. He was having some home run issues, 1.7 home run per nine. And it just seemed like he kind of ran out of, you know, he stalled out. And then he gets promoted, even though he's at a 4.3 ERA, which is why it's more important to pro- focus on development rather than results in the minors. And he goes up to Binghamton in double A. Strikeouts go up, walks go down, home runs are still kind of an issue. Um, but he's at a 2.89 ERA. And of all the seven guys on my list, the one with the highest swinging strike rate, Jose Buto. And I think it's because that changeup is a legitimate weapon. Uh, he's not a high ground ball guy, but he's not a high fly ball guy either. He keeps it right in the middle. Uh, the development of the breaking pitch really will be, you know, I think he's more of Chris Paddock than, you know, some th- third, uh, some breaking ball is going to develop and he's going to become some stud. But I, I see a lot of Chris Paddock in him, honestly. And I, and I think there is hope for a pitcher like that. Even if Chris Paddock's had his, you know, struggles, now, I, I do think there is a path to success for Jose Buto because that 16.1 swing, swinging strike rate is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're down to our last two pitchers. Let's move on to Kyle Bradish, uh, the another Orioles pitcher. Um, yeah. When, when I saw two Orioles on this list, I said, you are really just trying to get your opponents to pick these guys up. And on no. some off chance in the playoffs, no, I, they blow up. Nope. 
nope. Uh, <laughs> minor league. Uh, that's what the minor league rankings are across all AAA <laughs> leagues. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was very picky, as you saw, as picky as I can be. If I saw again, 50 innings pitch, top 15 in the FIP uh, rankings, has to be below 25 years old. Bradish is 24 years old. Uh, what was the other thing I want? Oh, and if they have a prospects profile on Fangraphs, I was going to put them on the list. So, I mean, there must be a reason. And I wanted to dig deep as to why the reason why uh, they had the high uh, FIP and at 3.72, Kyle Bradish uh, qualified, even after the fact, even after I, I, I waited another week to make this list, he was still on that um, ranking. So that's how he made the chart here. Triple uh, A, Kyle Bradish is 10th best prospect in the, in the Orioles system at the moment. Really good fastball, decent, uh, really good slider. Actually, they're all 50 or above uh, uh, grades. Sliders at 50, curveballs at 55. The changeup could be at 50, but currently it's at 45. The command is where the struggle is. So this is a guy with stuff, but no craft or or, um, or, or what's the other thing? Location or command? Yeah, actually, no command whatsoever. 45 future value, though. Again, 3.72 FIP. I put down that he has a decent strikeout rate. Terrible control. Terrible, Ernie. Yeah. Terrible <laughs> control. And he has an ERA over four, uh, over five, actually. Over five at the moment as of August 28th. Actually, make that August 23rd. Uh, so the, the lesson here, Sean, is that uh, advanced ERAs are garbage. They are. They don't. <laughs> ERA is king. Um, yeah. So I mean, he is no, a he is a five ERA in 14 starts in AAA. Uh, if you look at the Fangraphs top 45 prospects, the Orioles, they have him listed as 31. So I'm not sure where the discrepancy is in the team rank, because I, I see where it says team rank is 10 as well. Um, I, I just I see five walks per nine. And he was 4.72 in high A with the Angels in 2019. Even on the, the Fangraphs' top Orioles prospects, they say he's a reliever, and I think he's a bad reliever at that. Uh, yeah, the 10th, I'm I basically went into the roster resource ranking, and that's the number I took. Like whether it's real or not or updated, that's yeah. I assume it was updated. Uh, what list are you looking at? Where he's uh, if you go on to his actual uh, page on fan graphs and then there's the linked article from oh, march okay. yeah and oh, so like march. i said yeah yeah so I'm, I'm not sure when that actual team rank gets updated in the season i, I don't know but okay, so um, maybe it wasn't updated on the profile but it got updated on the roster resource page i don't maybe. know maybe I, I have no clue but um he, but yeah i just I, I think he's a bad reliever who isn't a reliever yet maybe when he makes the full-time switch to relief pitching he could like blow up maybe he's jerry's familia i don't know but I, the Maybe numbers, he's Scott. the numbers I look at right now are just not. I don't like them. I, I don't like them at all. No, this is clearly a, a case where the stuff is so um, impressive for a, a guy of his stature that you kind of have to keep an eye on him and see if that stuff materializes, despite the fact that there's very little craft or or control or command. Or the three C's, right? The three C's of pitching: craft, control, and command. Um, so that's all it is. Uh, I think I just lo- listened to a recent episode of Rates and Barrel, a Rates and Barrel uh, podcast with uh, Eno. God damn, I can't remember what it's this. What they use a different uh, terminology for craft, and uh, is it um, stuff versus? Help me out here. What's the other word that they like to use a lot? That's another key term there. Uh, I have no clue. Oh, this is gonna bother me. But at any rate, uh, Eno even said on his fancy schmancy data that a data spreadsheet or uh, program that he uses to evaluate these pitchers, he did say that stuff is a better predictor indicator of performance than craft. So 
things to look out for. I know it's an Orioles pitcher. I know Camden Yards is garbage and it's bad. But eventually, it, one of these guys have to hit. It, it can't just be a, a cesspool of where pitchers go to die all the time. It can't be. It can't be. All, I mean, there was. Don't a hold where, your breath waiting on it. Well, there was a time where Mike Mussina was a very consistent pitcher out of Kenan Yards and was able to go into the Hall of Fame because of that. You know, along with playing with the Yankees. Uh, I mean, so it's possible. I mean, Chris Tillman made a career being <laughs> being an ace-like pitcher oh, for a very long time and held his own. And compared to all the other uh, prospects that that team has seen who have flamed out. Chris Tillman ends up being not looking too bad at this point, even, even though I wasn't a big Chris Tillman fan. But, I mean, Jake Arrieta went to the Cubs, and, you know, we know his history. We know hey, the story I there. would rather have Kyle Bradish than Alexander Wells. But this sentence in the uh, top 40 prospects or whatever for the Baltimore Orioles on Fangraphs, I, I think this encapsulates it because you see 50-grade fastball, 50-slider, 55-curve. All of the pitches have 50-grade future value. That's, that's yeah. cool. But it's fourth starter stuff with a reliever's control. And I, 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 I think that's what it is. And I think at you know best, was, he's, he's a reliever. You know who else was, had, was supposed to be at best uh, a number three, number four starting pitcher? Who? At best, Shane Bieber. Now he's everybody's favorite uh, Cy Young. Well, yeah, but Shane Bieber had elite command to build on. This guy has no command. Uh, 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 what did I just say? <laughs> Eno Saris, the pitching guru, says that stuff is a better indicator of future value and, and future predictive value than craft is not to say that craft is less value or uh, is not as important, but if the stuff is there, you know, it's, it's there, you know, Kyle Bradish and Alexander Wells are by far worse than anyone on my list. That's all I know. Oh no. I don't know all about that. <laughs> oh yeah. This is, oh, so yes. You got a bunch of guys who are still working progress. You got a 42nd ranked uh, pitcher in Peyton Banfield for his own team. Albeit it is the Guardians, so maybe they are a little bit more uh, stacked. And I, I think when their rankings, you know, their report, they, I think their prospect rankings get updated. Uh, is he really not even on their uh, MLB top 30? Who, I'd be Peyton sure. Banfield? Yeah, Peyton uh, Matfield. Who knows? Um, I was, I mean, I was, if I'm going to look at 100 lists, I'm never going to do, I'm, I'm never going to be done. But another guy you have is a, a guy who has a FIP of 4.03, so there. Just to get a Mets which, player in there. Which one? The Jose Buto? Buto. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no big deal. Just... He has a 4.65 FIP, but K per nine over 10, walk per nine under 2.6. And if you look at the X FIP, it's a little bit lower. It's four. four you, uh, that's so what you said. You said X FIP, right? No, FIP. His, FIP. Yeah, yeah, his FIP is 4.6, but his X FIP's right at four. So, so it's even so it's, it's been it's been worse since August 28th. It's now at 4.6. Okay. So there's a it was it has to be a home run issue there with uh, yeah it, it, yeah oh, okay. it's a home well, there run, you yeah. go yeah so at least my guys don't have any issues with home runs <laughs> Alex please revisit Alexander Wells or uh, Wells home run per nine please Wells Fargo um, <laughs> who's the guy you wanted to know oh Battenfield let's see here yeah I, I was oh, okay. pulling up his Major League Baseball prospects um, uh, page has Peyton Battenfield at seventeen yeah that, that's that's not bad. But Fangraphs has him at forty second, which that's but the... I, when was Fangraphs updated? I don't know. That, 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 yeah, there you go. I, I, I'm, ta- I'm taking Peyton say. Battenfield in Cleveland over anyone not named like honestly, I, I don't know who uh, I, I would, over anyone in Baltimore, over anyone in Baltimore. Maybe not Grayson Rodriguez, and maybe not Grayson Rodriguez or Deal Hall. No, well, great. well, we just mentioned, oh, Deal Hall, those guys are going to help you anytime soon. So that was not yeah. the point of that. I mean, we, we could talk about all those other guys who are hype. Well, we did. We did. We did lightning round. And none of those guys are going to help you at any point. Not big league club, not their <laughs> fantasy leagues. They're not going to help you. Not, not anytime soon. Now, if you're in a dynasty league, that's a different show. Another topic for another day. 
uh, and okay, so Peyton Battenfield is a 45 future value according to Major League Baseball's website. And what was it? 35 plus for Fangraphs. So maybe it'll go up for Fangraphs next year. Maybe it won't. But uh, I mean, you did use Fangraphs uh, website to evaluate your guys yeah. on your. So let's be consistent here. I mean, yeah, it's a nice uh, reference to do the MLB one. But yeah, just for the sake of consistency and the sake of not driving us insane any more than we are right now, we'll stick with the Fangraphs list until further notice. And that's a great way to pu- uh, end it today. Um, we got to finally get the end of the month talking about minor league players, minor league pitchers at this point, maybe we'll do hitters next month. We'll see. Oh, well, shit. Next month, that's the end of the season. I just realized that right now. So, uh, any last words you want to discuss before we call it a night? No, uh, I did have two more, but neither of them were really my favorite one though. I will mention Dre Jameson just got promoted in Arizona from high. Oh my God. We're good. We had two left. It, but the one of them I wanted to talk about, and that was Dre Jameson, fifty no, percent ground ball rate, really awesome yeah. stuff so far. Fourteen point four swing strike rate, and then the other was Tobias Myers, who has a really interesting batted ball profile, and in that it's similar to Peyton Battenfield, who was in Tampa, where it's this high fly ball, low ground ball. He had a unbelievable. When I saw this, I almost didn't believe it this year. Uh, fifteen point percent or fifteen percent swing strike rate. That's good. 31% infield fly ball percentage. That's unreasonably high. I like, I've never seen one that high over as many innings. He has thrown 86 this year, but um, probably the least exciting of all the guys on there. He's also the youngest at 22, uh, really high line drive percentage. And you don't like to see high line drive percentages yeah. uh, because that means they're getting, you know, lit up. Yeah. Lit up. But uh, he's actually a XFIP underperform or overperformer. He has a 4.2 ERA, 3.46 XFIP, but um, he's a 30% uh, strikeout percentage guy. So anytime you see that, your ears perk up. But he seems to be one of those guys who lives at the top of the zone and bleeds down. So we'll see how well he can maintain that. Yeah. And that's but Dre I mean. Jamison, J- Dre Jamison's, I think, a really interesting player. Oh, he yeah. was their uh, top draft pick in 2019, 34th overall pick. Uh, he was the compensatory pick for, I believe, 2019. Who would have left Arizona? Uh, AJ Pollock. Ah, uh, yes, yes. AJ I'm just guessing. I, I, I honestly, I honestly do think it was AJ Pollock. Um, yeah, and yeah. he he's been he's made five starts mm-hmm. in Double A, and he has a 13.08 K per nine. He is getting better at every single stop, and I don't think there's anything I love more than seeing a pitcher develop. And usually you see like the really elite guys, they come in and they dominate, they dominate. And then by the time they get the double A or triple A, they kind of, you know, step back a little bit. But when you see that's these a pitchers, different podcast, by the way, yeah, <laughs> then you see these guys like Dre Jameson who just get better and better and better. And I think that's the most fun thing to watch when it comes to player development, especially with pitchers. Uh, yeah, Dre Jamison was on the list, and I forgot to uh, include him in this spiel of ours. But yeah, very impressive stuff. Uh, command is still an issue. 45 future value, but he has a posted a 2.77 AA FIP. Uh, yep. So yeah, he, uh, that's yeah, another guy his, his walk per nine combined for 2021 is 2.51, which is pretty reasonable. But in his debut in 2019, it was at 6.94. Granted, that was over eight starts in which he only pitched 11 innings. So yeah. Uh, not, not too worried about it. Uh, so uh, I, just for giggles, I went ahead uh, and looked at the AAA, all AAA's 
Uh, and I dropped it down to 40 innings pitch just to see what it would look like. And there was another guy on the list. We're not going to talk about it, but yeah, this guy sneaks in because now I dropped it down to 40 innings pitch. 25-year-old Drew Carlton, 3.21 FIP as of right now. Uh, and that's it. Oh, and there's Alexander Wells. Just the uh, there's Alexander. There's Alexander Wells. Oh, here, I, I never want to see Alexander Wells in my life. Here's another. Yeah, I need to why. But here's another guy, Luis Madero, uh, AAA out of the Marlins. So that's another. You always want to look at the Marlins pitchers. Uh, he's at 3.49 FIP. Uh, Christopher Sanchez out of the Phillies, 3.59 FIP. Huh, our guy Kyle Wright. He's still in there. 3.65 FIP as of oh, uh, yesterday. God. Yeah, he's the guy who won't he's die. Slowly, he's just sliding down the wall after he's been thrown there four years ago. Well, he's still under 25 years old. And that's what I was looking for. Uh, Zach Logue with the Blue Jay, uh, 3.70. And finally, Kyle Bradish. Oh, God, we just talked about him. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's me. That's Felipe. Over there is Sean. We have other podcasts, but we're running over. We will talk to you guys later. Hope you enjoy the episode. Take care, everybody. Bye, guys.